This is one of the first episodes of No Disclaimers. Today we're going to talk about the 1970s. Not just because that's when I grew up, but because it seems like all our policymakers and others are trying to relive them. So uh, here goes. We'll try and make this pithy and uh, worth your time. You know, in these notes, you've probably noticed my disdain for the Federal Reserve and their policies because, you know, if they're a politician, they're talking. And if they're talking, they're lying. Any politician who's lying through their teeth are painfully and childishly ignorant about economics, right? That, that's, that's what's happening right now. The policies of the last 30 plus years of money printing debt and bailouts and interventions were bad enough until COVID. Since then, the economic volume, the maximum on the volume knob was uh, turned to 25, where 10 was the highest, right? You know, with uh, sincere apologies to the movie, This is Spinal Tap. You know, our politicians and Federal Reserve acted in a, in a manner where they slammed on the brakes and then slammed on the gas pedal all at the same time as they shut things down and then printed money like there was no tomorrow. 40% of all the dollars ever created were sent out over an 18-month period. And, you know, that felt good to them. So they just kept doing it. In the past, the Fed played the role of the adults in the room when Congress and the president wanted to spend large amounts of money, borrowed money from future generations, they'd refuse to monetize the debt, right? That's the cardinal sin of central banks. That's historically what's led to inflation and other outcomes. This time, the Fed acquiesced. And not only that, they encouraged it. They encouraged money printing, deficit spending by assuring everyone that they would do whatever it took as far as, well, stealing from the future to consume now. You know, it doesn't hurt them. They gave cover by insisting that inflation had been below average for a while. So it would be, you know, good to be above average for some reason. Still can't understand that. So back in September, we wrote about in one of the newsletters about the unofficial government inflation communication handbook. You know, basically the handbook says it won't happen, inflation that is, then call it transitory, then you call it temporary, then blame it on disruptions in supply chains or war, and then blame the greedy companies, then blame the people for their irrational behavior and engage in some form of price control to fix it while blaming free markets and assuring everyone that the fire that you started will be extinguished in the same way and using the same tools that you used to start it. I'm not gonna lie, Again, I'm kind of shocked at how closely this has followed script. I mean, you know, when you go back and look at some of these books like 1984 and A Brave New World, they, they were a cautionary tale. They're, they're not a, an owner's manual, right? I remember, you know, I was a child of the 70s. I have a living memory, I think most of you, of, you know, whip inflation now, sitting in lines for gas rationing. In the study of economics and markets, the 70s, are a cautionary tale of what not to do when it comes to inflation. First of all, you don't have massive spending for the decades before on war and an increase in the welfare state. And you don't have a spineless Fed that keeps rates too low for too long in the 70s. The reason I bring this up is because of the infantile and childish economic political leadership. It's almost daily rehashing the same bad policies from the 70s, as if they're ignorant of history or simply just don't care until, well, maybe the midterm elections. Thomas Sowell is a very outstanding writer and economist, and he, in his books, often will reference first level and second level thinking. And first level thinking is, you know, here we go. You know, if you need more money to spend, you can just raise taxes and you'll get it. 
If the price of something that's important is deemed too high, the government can just cap the price and help the people. If people are hungry or struggling, you can just give them money to help them. When you restrict the long-term supply of something because it's evil, the government can simply and immediately conjure up new supply by penalizing and shaming to get their way. Well, that's nice, and that's lots of times the slogans on the protesters' boards and the people that, you know, kind of think that they are changing the world so many times. But it ignores basic fundamentals of economics and human behavior, which you're just not going to change. So here's second-level thinking. If you think you, if we need more money to spend, you can just raise taxes, you'll get more revenue. Second level. The more you tax something, the less revenue you actually get. People and companies do not sit still to simply be taxed more. You ever wonder why all the pay-for-itself talk from politicians leads to more deficits? Number two, if the price is something that's important is deemed to be too high, the government can just cap the prices to help the people. Price controls do nothing to alleviate the supply shortages and actually lead to higher prices because there's no incentive, there's no profit incentive for companies to increase production when the government sets the price. It never works, and it hurts the poorest the most. If people are hungry or struggling, you can just give them money to help them. Increasing the money supply is the single best definition of inflation. It leads to a sustained higher cost of living, which always hurts the lower income cohort the most. So it actually hurts those who the words say it helps. So lastly, when you restrict the long-term supply of something because it's evil, you know, like hydrocarbons, oil and gas, the government can simply and immediately conjure up new supply by penalizing and shaming to get their way. This is our energy policy. It takes a lot of capital and long-term investment to meet demand. When you restrict production pipelines and declare the stated objective of the government is to put these absolutely necessary industries out of business in the future, they are disincentivized and restricted to produce less. When prices rise uncomfortably because of this short-sightedness, there's no spigot or easy fix. Releasing the strategic petroleum reserves, which are supposed to be for a real emergency like war, will not fix the structural deficit. In fact, OPEC or Russia will likely just reduce output and keep prices where they are. And companies will be reluctant to produce more because the U.S. government might have another tantrum and artificially release again because they don't like the price. So, you know, rarely do you hear someone say that they, you know, the government in particular, they don't, they don't complain when the price is too low. It's only when they're too high. You know, the common thing here is that you know, the headline or the thing that people say, controlling or fixing something by the government, it, when they say it, it's usually doing the opposite, right? I, I remember talking to clients after Biden was elected and discussing the merits of investing in energy. Most clients thought it was a bad idea because the administration was hostile to energy companies. Our stance wasn't exactly why you'd want to own it. By restricting supply into a global economy that was recovering and reopening, higher prices were almost a sure thing. Again, this might not be intuitive, but it's often how things work. So, you know, trying to bring this all together, I mean, our institutions and political leaders have failed us miserably. Very few people trust anybody, and it's sad on both sides. As I've said before, I assume if a politician's talking, they're lying, period. They used to at least be economically literate. 
We're currently in quite an economic mess because of the Fed and all of the politicians in D.C. They ignored all the warnings of history and have chosen first-level thinking sound bites over effective policies. Like all other mistakes, these policies and proposals are short-sighted in nature and harmful for the long run. I am flabbergasted that after inflation is running 8-plus percent despite assurances from the Fed and their own models that didn't predict it, that the governor of California thinks it's a great idea to send out more money. Because, you know, they have extra money from COVID and, and Senator Elizabeth Warren wants to send, wants to push the $5 trillion stimulus bill to create more money out of thin air, you know, to help alleviate the inflation pressures. And then Secretary of Transportation Pete Buttigieg, he said if someone can't afford a tank of gas because it went from 25 bucks to 50 bucks, the answer is for them to buy a 50 to 60000 or 50 to $70,000 electric vehicle because that's cheaper and more realistic somehow. I mean, it makes your head want to explode. The current administration is proposing taxing wealth, not income or capital gains. They're also proposing taxing energy companies for wells that are undrilled but not pumping because they have a lack of workers or because energy prices collapsed way back when and they're not going to bring people back until it's profitable. So, yeah, and, and you know, that releasing the strategic petroleum reserves because gas prices went up. When Putin invaded Ukraine, I mean, that's just laughable. Those prices were already very much higher, and it's just spin. But that may actually cause more harm than good, because logistics of actually refining this stuff means that when it comes out of the SPR, it takes the place of other stuff. So it bottlenecks organic production. And then you have people, and, and this was one from a while ago, and there was one just from last week. This is Nancy Pelosi, basically a, either... Either is ignorant or there's a mendacity here of just lying straight up. There are only two choices. She said, when we are having this discussion, it's important to dispel some of those who say, well, it's the government spending. No, it isn't. The government spending is doing the exact reverse. It's reducing the national debt. It's not inflationary. I mean, just let that sink in. I mean, and, and none of the media or anything stands up and goes, you know, a joke like a Will Smith slap that they go, what are you talking about? Right? That's crazy. And they get up because something they believe needs to be done. We've recently are being led by a bunch of children and infants when it comes to economics. And they spew this first level thinking that makes headlines, but it's been disproven by history over and over and over again. And I'm talking about both parties during COVID. So, you know, I think the the gist of this message is that, listen, the bad ideas from the 1970s, they're bad ideas today. And like I said, Pelosi just came out with another one where they were going to try to outlaw price increases from energy companies, not to let gas prices go higher. I mean, where do we live? And do price controls work? No, but yet they were still going to try, right? So bad ideas in the 70s are bad ideas today, minus the disco with polyester. But who knows? Maybe all that will come back too. Is it too much to ask our political leaders to read a book about economic history and especially about the bad economic environment of the 70s? If they can't do that, can they at least read maybe like the classic Lord of the Flies? Maybe they can consider what happens when you leave children to govern without adult supervision. I'm just praying for some adults to show up. 
This next quarter is likely to continue to be difficult and volatile as all of the rosy predictions about inflation and growth meet the real world. We will stay disciplined and we will stay focused and our eyes will be on the horizon. There are rough seas ahead, but we're as prepared as we can be. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.